Have you ever wondered why vast swathes of the business and financial press seem to be so truly awful? Why it is you've got someone with seemingly no expertise or knowledge in financial markets talking down to you about the financial system or about cryptocurrencies? Or about why someone who has an undergraduate degree in socialist studies is lecturing you or haranguing you about how the economy should be designed? Well, really, it comes down to the fact that many publications simply don't pay their experts, and they are getting worse at this. Now, clearly, op-eds or opinion pieces are often not going to be paid, but they're mere expressions of opinion. However, publications are going a step further, and Forbes has now let the cat out of the bag and is outright exploiting experts by outright saying they are not going to pay experts for writing articles for them. Forbes on their website specifically states, do you want to write for Forbes Australia? Forbes Australia, of course, being a division of that multinational organization. You are an expert in your field and you want to help Forbes Australia readers to understand, learn, be informed or entertained by your expertise. Contributors are not paid, but have a premier platform to impart knowledge. Our contributor arrangements are separate to those of working journalists. They may pitch or be commissioned for paid work at competitive rates. Basically, Forbes Australia is saying here, you should feel privileged to write for us. In fact, we are doing you a favor by letting you put your article on our website. They're basically assuming that people are going to bend over backwards to write for them. It's very, very exploitative. In an employment context, this would be clear outright wage theft. It gets worse, however, because they're paying people who classify themselves as quote-unquote journalists. But if you have genuine expertise, they're not going to pay you. If you're a portfolio manager, or an economist at a fund, or a CFO, or a CEO, or a founder, or maybe you're an academic who can disentangle complex empirical evidence, they're not going to pay you. The more expert you are, the less Forbes is even going to consider paying you. It is really quite ironic that the people that they should be trying to court to write for them, they are simply not going to pay. It is really incredibly stupid. But it gets even worse. Because this is not a situation where you might write for them for exposure, or maybe write for them because they're a non-profit. Forbes is a multinational. It is a corporate entity. It makes money from advertising. Forbes is a profit-making vehicle. It's not like The Conversation, which is a non-profit and largely an academic endeavor. This is not a charity. They are a corporation making money from your writing. Furthermore, they don't even give you good exposure. If you look on the Forbes website, when you write for them, they give you a tiny little byline, but it's off to the side and no one sees it. Basically, people see Forbes, but they don't see the author. So you don't even get your name out by writing for them. You basically get nothing. Forbes is assuming that you will write for them out of the goodness of your heart, that you're going to feel privileged, feel warm and fuzzy for writing for this organization. It is obviously exploitative. And other authors have remarked as much. So one person that I went to university with, whose name I've redacted to avoid putting them on blast, specifically got at this idea. Someone told me recently that good journalists are specialized generalists. It's an amazing skill to be able to get across new things rapidly and cogently, one that I am in awe of. I've long thought that there are genuine spaces in Australian media for generalized specialists, or presumably other media outlets as well. Experts with deep knowledge in particular areas and the skill and interest in making this knowledge accessible to the general public. 
It's a different complementary skill. It's not easy. And as someone who is passionate about this kind of thing, I'm constantly learning from the people who do it well. It's nice to see mass media increasingly recognize the value of publicly engaged experts. It's not at all nice to see ads like this from well-resourced multinational companies offering to pay in quote-unquote exposure or the warm and fuzzies of having helped people. It takes a lot of effort to produce high-quality, public-facing content. And because the people who like to do this generally do want to help, we often undervalue our time. No doubt creatives can relate. It is the same problem. Basically, this person is getting the idea that journalists, or at least high-quality journalists, have a role to play. However, exploiting experts is a step too far. Now, to be clear here, I'm not saying we should put experts on a pedestal. I'm not saying that we should lionize them or blindly defer to what an expert is saying. Furthermore, we need to question whether that person genuinely has expertise that is valuable and is relevant. What I'm saying is that people who do have experience, either academic experience or expertise in the industry, they should at least not be treated worse than a freelance journalist. If you're going to pay a freelance journalist who may or may not have expertise in an area, you should at least pay someone who does have expertise. That's all I am saying. And Forbes appears not to be doing this, which is pretty obviously exploitative. The obvious ramifications are a fewfold. Firstly, experts are not going to write for these exploitative publications like Forbes. They might go to a different publication that will either pay them or give them a better byline. I.e. they might go to something like Australian Financial Review, which does pay some of its expert contributors, but also puts you front and centre of the article. Something like the Australian Financial Review is a much better model. Or you've got Livewire Markets, where you can follow your favourite authors. Or myriad other publications where the author actually gets some benefit. As compared to Forbes, where you basically get nothing. So therefore, you'll get outlets that simply don't have expertise going to them. Secondly, these outlets are going to be saturated with quote-unquote journalists. Some of whom will be good, some of whom will be terrible. It's a lucky dip. And really, as a reader, you need to be considering, does this person actually know what they are talking about? And indeed, if they know what they are talking about, would they actually be writing for this publication? Elon Musk, unsurprisingly, has also noted similar concerns. He does seem to have quite a disagreement with the media over his acquisition of Twitter, but nevertheless, he notes. Newspapers just search the internet and print it out. He's getting at the idea that reporters might not actually have expertise in the areas on which they are reporting. They might just Google something moments before pumping out an article. And this would suggest that getting on board people with genuine knowledge of the topic area would help out many of these media outlets. Shibatoshi Nakamoto also doubles down on this. Shibatoshi Nakamoto is the pseudonym for Billy Marcus. Now, he's noted here, according to Fox Business, I am an anonymous account believed to have created Bitcoin which shows you the quality of reporting in 2022. Now, notably, Shibatoshi Nakamoto is a pseudonym, but if you go to the link in his bio, you can find out his real name, which is Billy Marcus. Furthermore, he did not create Bitcoin, and he never pretended to do so, other than in what was obviously a joke at one point in time. According to Fox News, they state, Shibatoshi Nakamoto, an anonymous account believed to have created Bitcoin, also criticized the central bank whereupon Fox Business quotes out of context a comment that he made. The comment, of course, was clearly facetious, and it is. 
how to stop inflation in four easy steps, according to the Federal Reserve. 1. Make everyone unemployed. 2. Cause massive recession. 3. Question mark. 4. Profit. He watched. Now, clearly, that is a facetious comment. Fox Business, by taking it at face value, slightly undermines their own credibility. This whole situation is merely one example of a broader problem in some sectors of the media. Thirdly, it means that the only quote-unquote experts or people in the industry writing for this publication have a vested interest. Basically, you write for them if you want to get your product out there. You write for them if you want to promote your fund. You write for there for them if you want to get marketing, free marketing put out by this outlet. You're not writing for them out of the goodness of your heart. You're writing for them to get your name out there. Now, clearly, this is a problem. It diminishes the value and the quality of much of the financial press. Now, some of you might be thinking, surely Forbes isn't saying this. Surely Forbes will still pay experts for writing quality articles for them. Surely they'll pay them as freelancers for doing so. Now, to examine this, I did a couple of things a couple of months ago. Firstly, I emailed Forbes to ask them about their policies. I did this all the way back in September, and I wasn't entirely sure whether or not I wanted to make this video, hence why it's been so long between my email and this coming out. In any case, I asked. I wanted to inquire about contributing to Forbes and the arrangement associated with that. The website states that experts are not paid, but that freelance journalists are. I wanted to confirm that that is the case, as it would influence my decision to go with Forbes as opposed to other outlets, or my own Substack. And I actually got a response back, albeit a rather terse one, and they said, Hi there, contributors are not paid. Freelancers are paid. Staff are paid. So notably, if you're going to be an expert contributor, you are not going to be paid by Forbes. Now that is clearly telling. They couldn't be very much clearer than this. I also followed this up where I decided, well, I'll pitch an article. Maybe it is that they're just looking for op-eds from these contributors. Maybe they're not really looking for articles per se. They're saying, we're not going to pay you if it is an op-ed. But if it's an article, then you're still a freelancer. Now, I pitched an article to them, which was ultimately actually rejected. My article was about whether fund managers should consider ESG characteristics. And in particular, whether fund managers have an obligation to consider ESG factors. The overall thrust of the article was that ESG should not be given any special priority unless it is in your investment mandate. If it's not explicitly in your investment mandate, then you should consider it as one factor that can influence the firm's cash flows or its cost of capital, but should not otherwise give it any other undue priority. I pitched my article to Forbes. They rejected it, as I indicated. Now, when they rejected it, they indicated that I need to do more work, create more graphs, do some other things for this article to make it more appealing to whatever it is that they wanted. This suggests that even if the contributors are not going to be paid, they're still going to exert editorial control over the article. It isn't just going to be an op-ed that you can dump onto Forbes. It is going to be something that needs to fit within their specific parameters. And they are going to require you to do tons of work associated with it. Not just create the article, not just lend your expertise to the article. So in essence, they are just exploiting people, expecting you to do a ton of work to create copy for them that is based upon your expertise that they are getting for free. It cannot be any clearer what they are trying to do. If you're an author, you're simply better off creating your own WordPress website or creating your own Substack 
or even just getting it out on Twitter, many outlets are better than doing something via Forbes. Forbes gives you basically no exposure and they are exploiting you for commercial gain. By contrast, if you go to Substack, you can build up your own brand. If you go to Twitter, you build up your own brand. If you create a podcast, your own brand. Go to Forbes, you're building up Forbes. And this type of thing is precisely why media outlets are going to get less and less expertise over time. Now, to be clear here, not all media outlets do this. Some media outlets are much better than others. The Australian Financial Review in the Australian market is significantly better than Forbes in this context. Furthermore, for many media interviews, people are simply not paid for those because they do get the exposure. For example, every time I do a TV interview on ABC or BBC or whichever it is going to be, I don't get paid for that. However, because people see me, they hear who I am, there is a degree of exposure from this, which one would clearly not get via Forbes. In addition, many journalists are actually very high quality. There are some good journalists at The Australian or The Australian Financial Review, for example. There are also some terrible journalists who have no business whatsoever telling you about financial markets. And it looks like this is only going to get worse if it becomes acceptable for corporate media outlets to exploit people who actually know their stuff. Nevertheless, if you've got any thoughts about what Forbes is doing here, I would be interested to hear that in the comments below. And thanks so much for tuning in to this video.